Welcome to Jury File. This is the Jury Report, and my name is Rona. You can find true crime news, updates, and follow cases that we are following over at juryfile.com, where we post our case files with all information that we um, can make publicly available, including timelines, maps if available, um, relevant information to the case. And we are growing our site in between working on cases in real time, so we appreciate your support and patience while we grow our project of putting this information out there. We're going to start out tonight with a story from Idaho. Um, on the jury report, we cover some of the most current true crime news and we're going to actually cover a story here in just a little bit that we're probably going to clip down into an additional video um, for our YouTube channel if you want to check it out there if you're listening on a podcast. There's a few stories that we want to get to tonight because they definitely seem to be highly relevant and um, gaining a lot of traction that they don't need to be gaining. All right, but first we're going to get to a couple of these stories. Um, an Idaho man was charged with murder and cannibalism after body parts are found in a microwave. That's genuinely what happened. Um, the uh, Idaho News, the East Idaho News, reports that a northern Idaho man faces serious charges after investigators say that a dead, a dead man's body parts were found in a microwave. I'm assuming this man's microwave. Um, the Bonner County Sheriff's Office began investigating James David Russell, 39, on September 10th after finding the body of David Flaggett, 70, in a rural um, area near Clark Fork. Russell is charged with felony first-degree murder and felony cannibalism in an amended criminal complaint filed Wednesday. Hopefully there's not a such thing as misdemeanor cannibalism. Witnesses saw the body of Flaggett, and I hope I'm saying that name right. My apologies to the family if I'm not. The, care, um, the caretaker of the family's property in a truck and suspected Russell had killed him. According to charging documents obtained by the East Idaho News, when deputies arrived, they found Russell wearing gloves. He ran into a building with a, where a brief standoff ended with deputies taking him into custody, according to documents. Deputies went to Flaggett's truck and where they found um, they found the, na the body of um, the man naked from the waist down positioned awkwardly in the passenger seat. In a probable cause af affidavit, deputies noted that duct tape bound his wrists and a section of his thigh and his unmentionables were cut off and missing. It appears the parts were removed after death. Okay. Moving on. The following day, investigators searched a warrant, um, searched, served a search warrant. Uh, sorry, it has been a long day, folks. We're just going to keep, keep moving on, though. Um, inside, detectives found tissue consistent with the victim's missing flesh. Investigators also found blood and tissue in a bowl inside of the microwave. Some of the tissue indicated that heat had been applied possibly in the microwave, for one to two minutes. Not according to instructions. Um, investigators could not locate one of Flaggett's unmentionables, 
and said that they had been removed from his body. Investigators wrote in their probable cause affidavit that they believe Russell ate the missing body parts. Witnesses reported that on the day of the victim's killing, Russell acted agitated and recently had been having mental health issues. A court, court documents indicated while at a California hospital receiving psychiatric help in May, Russell reportedly told his family he wanted to cut chunks of his skin off with a knife to cure his brain. Not sure why that made him do that to someone else. I'm not sure. Is it like some kind of osmosis thing or... or I don't know. I don't know how this works. Um, Russell has been in custody ever in custody since September and was committed to the Idaho Department of Health and Welfare. At one point, where after being not fit to, or at one point after not being fit to assist in his defense, well, maybe he met our friend Lori Vallow there. Um, yeah, that, I, that case definitely, or that story, it just, it definitely struck me today is just part of where we're at in the world. Um, all right, let's move on here. I want to bring you guys also a story of a Bowling Green man. Um, we don't hear a lot about this here lately, so I just wanted to bring it up and just kind of bring it to people's attention that it's still something that is ever-present happening on a regular basis. Um, a Bowling Green man was arrested on multiple terrorism charges in connection with ISIS. Um, they allege that after joining ISIS, the uh, suspect attended an ISIS training camp where he received weapons and physical training, fired an AK-47, the FBI obtained photographs of him in ISIS territory, which depicted him wearing camouflage clothing and standing in front of a pickup truck outfitted with an anti-aircraft gun and the ISIS flag. A second photograph of him depicts him holding a rifle. Um, a federal court in Kentucky on seal of an indictment today charging a dual U.S. Bosnian citizen with providing material support to the Islamic State of Iraq and al-Sham a designated foreign terrorist organization. The defendant is also charged with conspiracy to provide material support to ISIS and receiving military training from ISIS. If convicted of the char of the offenses, he faces a maximum penalty of 50 years in prison, a fine of 750,000 and a term um, of supervised release of up to life. A federal district court judge will determine if any sentence after it, it will determine any sentence after considering that the U.S. sentencing guideline and other statutory factors. Um, so yeah, a uh, a Bosnian U.S. citizen in Bowling Green, Kentucky, of all places. All right, we're going to jump over here in just a moment to some news on the John Benet Ramsey case that has been popping up in the news. Um, first, I wanted to mention, though, I do have a video still coming out about Rogel Aguilera Maderos. Um, we're basically going to go over his trial, his sentencing, and all the details surrounding all the things that got him where where he is today with um, protests and, and um, calls for justice surrounding this man, um, this actually quite young Cuban man. So we just wanted to bring bring all the facts kind of together in, in one spot so that people would be able to 
mostly people that have contacted us on on social media that asked us to cover a video of this in one condensed view so that they could get a better idea of what the case is. Um, so we'll have that video coming out shortly after the jury report tonight. Sorry, once again, we're late. We're trying to get on target with that 8 p.m. Um, that 8 p.m. release time for jury file Monday through Thursday, and we're slowly going to get closer to that, I hope, um, once we get through this weekend and a, a big project we're doing for a case that we're working on here locally, hopefully we'll be a little bit more on, on track. Um, okay, so definitely check out the video about Rohel Aguilera Maderos that we'll be putting out later. Um, just real quick, let's go over this news in the John Benet Ramsey case. Um, the John Benet Ramsey case is getting yet another look. It's it's had many, but it's getting another look. The John Benet Ramsey case has been looked at so many times, not only by investigators, private detectives, web sleuths. Um, you name it, volunteer organizations, a grand jury even looked at it at one time, and they indicted John and Patsy Ramsey, John Benet Ramsey's parents, on charges of child abuse. A juror later came out in a 2020 interview saying that the evidence that the grand jury was shown made it clear who murdered John Benet Ramsey. However, Alex Hunter, the then district attorney for Boulder, Colorado, declined to sign the indictment. Was it John Ramsey's connections or an actual lack of evidence that made the DA decline to sign the indictment? I'm actually going to link, um, I, I, I may do that if, if I remember to link a full video, a, a really good in-depth look for you guys um, from another another person out there that, that does true crime podcasting. Um, that way there you guys can, can kind of see for anybody who doesn't know all the details that surround this case if you're interested. There's probably a lot of cases that anybody who has followed this case doesn't know about. I found that I recently have learned things I didn't know about way back when about the uh, John Benet Ramsey case. So anyways, um, the district attorney, like I said, he declined to sign the indictment. And I always asked myself if it was the connections of John Benet Ramsey's father, John Ramsey, was it his connections or an actual lack of evidence that made the DA decline to sign the indictment? Considering that a grand jury did indict them, but not on murder charges, on child abuse charges, let's make that clear, today, John Benet Ramsey would be 31. I didn't realize that until just the other day. Um, and I just saw several news outlets covering that now too, but I just did the math a few days ago and, and I was like, oh, wow. I can't believe how much time has passed in this case. Time moves so quickly. Um, this Christmas is going to be the 25th anniversary of her death. Also, wow, it's so much time. Um, still, John Benet Ramsey's killer has escaped justice, though. 25 years later, and yet another new look at the case is being discussed. Investigators are considering genetic DNA testing, and this actually sounds like a good idea compared to some of the past announcements of things they were going to try in order to solve this case. This one sounds slightly more hopeful to me um, based on the case's evidence that we're aware of. Um, we're going to wait and see where this lands, but using genetic DNA testing in criminal cases is highly controversial. 
the DNA collected from a crime scene can now be used to do a, a multitude of things. I don't know the specific thing that they're looking to do with the DNA that they have in evidence from this case. But one thing I'd like to mention is um, one a thing that they've recently developed, a, um, a tool that they've recently developed can take DNA collected from a crime scene and use it to create a profile that of the suspect from ethnicity all the way down to a real life sketch of the individual more realistic than the artistry of common sketches used in investigations to locate suspects um the profile gives a variety of information and can help target a suspect by simply looking around the victim's associates in many cases once you've developed this this image of this person and their ethnicity and their proximate age and all the information that it gives you, then you can really just take a look around who's involved with that person and pretty easily figure it out from that point. However, this tool is highly contested by some and time will only tell what capacity this will be allowed in during actual court trials. You know, it, it's it's very... It's very iffy where this is going to land just because um, I, we're going to do a full in-depth video on this type of DNA genetic testing just to let everybody know it's it's not as cut and dry as people may think. Um, DNA is great, but it, it can also it can also be misleading at times. So um, especially in a situation like this, and we want to make sure that people understand what this could be used for because at some time you could you could be um, voicing your opinion on whether or not you think this should be allowed. All right, we're going to move on to one of two topics that I am, I am very, very perplexed by recently. Um, one of the topics is a forever issue, but the first one we're going to talk about is one that I definitely thought we had gotten past as a society, but things things are always coming back around like bell-bottom jeans you know it's just things always come back around it seems especially trends and let's hope that this trend is short-lived it it wasn't really long-lived the first time around so let's let's hope that it makes a it makes a very short comeback um synthetic marijuana has has been on a lot of people's, a lot of drug dealers' menus for a little while now. Um, 15 years ago, when I lived in the South, it was a huge problem. But the hype seemed to die down for a while. Um, it seems to have made a terrible comeback recently. Synthetic drugs are not really fun. Drugs kind of have a reputation of being fun. If that's what you want, don't take synthetic drugs. They're fun stoppers, essentially. And I'd really like to highlight a few stories surrounding specific, specifically synthetic marijuana. I don't understand why people would use synthetic marijuana um, other than maybe unless you couldn't find marijuana and you really wanted it that bad. But um, let's go first to an Indiana man. Some people may be seeing this headline. It's popping up more and more. Um, an Indiana man was recently arrested in Stark County, Indiana. Just a side note, I grew up not far from Stark County, Indiana, and let me tell you, the only thing they are known for in the local area is their mental hospital, if that tells you anything. Anyhow, 
Justin Miller, a 37-year-old man who was babysitting an 11-month-old month girl who belonged to, according to court documents, a family relative. That kind of seems redundant, but a family relative. Okay. The little girl's parents had dropped off the baby with Justin Miller, who was supposed to drop her back off with the parents two days later. Just another side note, I have no idea why this random man was supposed to be in charge of the baby. Not that men are all terrible, but not sure why this this random family relative was going to be in charge for the baby of the baby for two days. But the neighbor, um, sorry, sorry, hold on, let me back up here. Um, got a few key points written down here that I don't want to miss. So basically, the 11-month-old belonged to a family relative. The little girl's parents had dropped the baby off. He was supposed to bring her back two days later. The baby's parents attempted to contact Miller, but he did not answer. Later that day, the same day that he was supposed to bring the baby back, Miller claimed that he left the baby with a neighbor. The neighbor, however, claims that Miller brought over a duffel bag and that Miller told the neighbor to watch it, the duffel bag, because they needed a place, they needed to call the police um, about their missing baby. The duffel bag was later revealed to have contained a safe inside of it that they believed had narcotics in it. I'm sure they had to probably get a search warrant to open that safe, um, perhaps. Anyways, according to documents, Miller's story changed multiple times during the investigation. At one point, he claimed to have disposed of the baby's body on a Stark County property. Ultimately, the infant was found in a remote, obscure, forested, dense area. Um, Miller confessed to becoming frustrated when the baby would not stop crying and that he struck the baby multiple times. Miller was... Um, sentenced on, or he's going to be sentenced on January 18th of 2022. I believe he is currently in custody. One of the more commonly discussed issues with synthetic marijuana is also its medical, um, its medical, severe medical complications. I, I, I don't know that, I, let me think of the best way to phrase this. Ultimately, Miller was somehow, it seemed, affected by the fact that he had ingested synthetic marijuana. It made him more frustrated. Many people have have characterized these symptoms of of synthetic drugs, specifically the synthetic marijuana known as Spicer K2, to make you frustrated, irritable, um, to make you on edge pretty much. Some people it affects them even more mentally, and other people it affects with severe medical complications. Um, in recent months, it's been more popular that emergency rooms are seeing this. It's uh, There's a connection to synthetic marijuana and severe bleeding specifically. I think it's probably one of the more worst reports that I've seen about it. Even a report I saw recently, um, I believe it may have been in Florida, where someone experienced brain bleed because of it. Um, Florida's poison control centers are urging people to go to the emergency room if they experience bleeding after using synthetic marijuana. 40 people in the Tampa Bay area have received, um, received care after developing 
brain bleeds and other severe bleeding after using spice or K2 as it's known by. Um, there's rat poisoning often found in batches of spice that lead to these kind of severe medical complications. Cartels are actually beginning to create more synthetic marijuana because of the alternative um, due to a fluctuating demand. As we all knew, legal legalized marijuana would cause some some ripple effects or complications in certain areas when it came to the illegal drug trade. And overall, I think the growing pains are probably good to starve out some of that illegal activity. But at the same time, we, uh, we, it's more of the crimes that are connected to all the drugs too. You know, they're just, it, it can be such a ripple effect that it's, it's hard to combat. But I think that once we get through these growing pains, hopefully things will come out a little bit better. Um, but for now, it seems the cartels are are putting a lot of their stock into synthetic drugs because it's uh, it's just where it's at right now for them. They don't have as large of a demand for crops of real organic marijuana because of the fact that we now can get that so legally. Um, even states that are illegal, people can easily travel to other states where it's not. Um, all right, so... I'm just going to cover a couple of other cases really quick where this has definitely had an effect. Um, on Tuesday, September 7th, the Southern District of Texas announced that they reached a plea agreement with a 47-year-old Texas man who, who confessed to overseeing a network of synthetic narcotics and attempting to conceal the illegal proceeds through a legal smoke shop business. Um, a nationwide mail order business was discovered that supplied the shop with its synthetic products. The mail network is alleged to have raked in about $15.4 million on synthetic drugs. The smoke shop owner forfeited three real estate properties and paid $5 million in fines as part of his plea agreement. Some companies are currently in the process of creating a synthetic marijuana product for sale, I think this is an awful idea. There are plenty of legal states where you can partake legally and safely with the natural organic plant. No need to get crazy, folks. We already have legal cannabis that is up to 40% THC. I don't know what more you'd possibly want. Go wherever it's legal and partake and enjoy yourself. You can do that. There's nothing wrong with it, even if you live somewhere else. You can go to a state and enjoy their legal opportunities. Um, it's really disturbing that they would want to do that, to be quite honest. But um, I guess we're, we'll see where that lands. We're going to continue to follow that. And we're also probably going to clip this episode for a completely separate video because we feel like it's that important. As with the next topic. The next topic also probably more important than the last topic. Most of the people consuming these Spice and K2 products are adults. There are there are children that are doing this as well, and we totally get that, but they're mostly adults that are experiencing this problem. This next issue is not adults experiencing this problem. It's adults causing the problem. So it's definitely extremely important. We're going to clip this episode as well and put it up on our YouTube channel. So if you have somebody that you'd like to share it with, 
we encourage that. If you don't feel that this video is good enough to share with someone, at least share the information that we are passing on to you. Um, so our next topic, the freaking kick social media app. The, this thing is like the bane of my existence right now. I think the name kick, whether it's said, read, printed, typed, the word causes me great irritation in recent months. It seems like every few news stories I read regarding children and crime seem to have a little bit of kick just sprinkled right in there. I get it. This happens on all platforms, regardless of how hard app owners and developers do or do not try to combat this issue. Social media, all social media comes with the same risks, the same dangers, the same awfulness, and the same things that we have to worry about in real life socialization. We have to just remember that these digital apps are not some magical thing in magic land. They're real things operated by real people who live in our real world who are really doing things to our children. And if you care about your children, you'll make sure that this does not happen. God forbid the worst things can happen even when we're paying attention sometimes. But with that being said, let's pay attention real hard because it could literally mean our children's life. Okay, so now that I've gotten that out, <laughs> um, in recent months, Kick has been mentioned in a slew of crimes against children. The Kick app, including the recent updates about Keegan Klein, who you may or may who may or may not be connected to the Delphi murders of Abby Williams and Libby German, um, of which we we do have a recent podcast about if you want to check that out. Um, Kick was also used in the most recent crimes involving a young woman at a college in Utah. We just uploaded a video, I believe. Um, we talked about her in our jury report this week, our last jury report that we did. Um, so if you want to go ahead and check that out, we're not going to dive much deeper than that. Um, um, anyways, the, this college student in Utah met a man on the Kick app they arranged for a meetup, a meetup that I feel went far differently than what this young woman was anticipating. We also have a very recent, um, many other very recent accounts of this, um, but we have, uh, yeah, there was a, I was just, sorry folks, I was just trying to remember that if we did in fact discuss this case, we did in the jury report. Um, anyways, I'm not going to get too deep into this case for respect of the victim herself. Um, now that she's found and the criminal case can self-propel it, can get basically propel itself forward through the legal system without much of her, um, you know, her help, essentially, she can give her statement and they can take that and move forward with it. It's best to let these details rest for right now. I, I wish more people would kind of let the details rest for right now. The proper people have this information and will do the proper things with it in the court system. So out of respect for the young woman, we're not going to get in those details. And we're also not going to say her name. And we wish other people wouldn't either because she is now at the center of, of a court case in which she does not have to let her name be known. And she chooses to do that. 
her name was only put out there because she was missing. So I greatly encourage people to leave her name out, talk about the case all you want, just leave her name out of it. Let her, let her move forward and start the healing process. Um, so moving forward to another situation of kick disgust. On December 6, 2021, a Las Vegas man was sentenced to 11 years in prison for distributing inappropriate videos and images of children using the kick at social media app. Some of the victims were as young as infants. The man was also sentenced to a lifetime of supervision that will continue on after he is released from his 11-year sentence. A CNN employee was also arrested um, recently that we discussed in the jury report that we uploaded last. Um, he was also using the Kick app. The CNN employee who was luring people out to his home was also using the Kick app. And most disgusting is when this, these things are done to a child. But in his situation, the CNN employee wasn't really going to the children. He was going to the parents and arranging these meetups, giving these these parents money and different things and flying them out and, you know, completely so much more vile when when a parent is is at the uh at the helm of this um it, it just it's very hard to fathom someone who would put their child through that um in an even more vile case michael autry of brownwood texas was sentenced in a federal court in atlanta to 12 and a half years in prison autry created a group on the kick app called taboo train 2.0 and encourage people to upload images and videos of children, including incest and all things taboo, he said. He also encouraged people to share fantasies, real-life stories. He seemed to be quite the creative guy with quite the appetite for terrible things. I'd also like to mention that people have been arrested for even being members of groups like this online, so keep that in mind, why don't you? Um, also a local business owner in Virginia Beach is under investigation for their possible kick crimes. The man was using an app or using the app to, um, solicit teenage girls to send him videos of inappropriate acts they would do to themselves. The U.S. Marshals took the man into custody and ex executed a search warrant on his home. They are asking any minors in Virginia Beach who may have had contact with him online to contact them at 757-427-1749. We will make a separate news article on juryfile.com for this case um, so that if anybody thinks they may have talked to him that they can look a little further into it get the man's name and information, um, or if we can go ahead and locate what screen name he was going by or anything else, we'll do that tonight and get that out on jury file sometime tomorrow. So keep your eyes out for that. If you're a, a parent in Virginia Beach, then um, Virginia Beach, Virginia, just to be specific, then talk to your teenagers, especially teenage girls, see if they have spoke to this person or anybody who may have seemed like a shady character online that tried to reach out to them. If they have, or if you think they have, doesn't doesn't even matter. Even if you think so, go ahead and contact 
1749 and give them your information. No matter what it is, just go ahead and hand it over to them. Um, a Tennessee high school teacher and assistant football coach was arrested by the FBI in a covert sting that had its sights set on child predators. The high school teacher and the assistant football coach were also using the Kick app to receive images from minors. Then we have a Paris, um, a former Paris, Kentucky detective from the Paris Police Department was arrested for using the Kick app to send, send and receive child abuse materials. I think I've proven my point without continuing on this path of disgust and scumbaggery. The list goes on and on, folks. I think we may just go ahead and start a social media depravity feed on juryfile.com so that people can go and be reminded of just how closely they need to be paying attention to what their children and their teenagers are doing online. When we say children, the courts typically mean minors. However, I'm going to be specific. Children and teenagers. Highly important that we remember that. Yes, we're going to do that. We're going to post, I actually just had that thought just now, and we're going to do it. I'm going to post it on our Twitter, our Facebook, as soon as it's live and people can go check it out. And I'm just going to continually add stories to this of horrible things surrounding the Kick app, Instagram, Facebook. Just remember, folks, these things are not magical apps. They are not magical spheres of our world where we're only the digital things that we like and want to happen. Those are the things we see on a daily basis because those are the things we like, we're interested in, we're honed in on. We're not seeing the disgusting things that other people are interested in half the time. And quite frankly, that's great. We can live in our happy little digital bubble, but sometimes we're going to have to burst that bubble even if it's bursting through the bedroom door and making sure that our kids aren't on their phones in the middle of the night. Um, don't forget, there are a lot of great things you can do to protect your children from falling prey to situations like this. We will be posting a video soon and a news article on juryfile.com about what you can do to protect your kids from these predators online, or at least do the best you possibly can. No, Nothing is 100% foolproof. But trying and putting forth the effort to keep your children safe is is never a bad idea. Um, the more the more we do, the more that we we try to be active in our children's lives, I feel the more it'll pay off at the end of the day, nine times out of ten. Um, that being said, let's end this on something I'd love for people to take a look at this holiday season. Let's use some of our social media frustration to help someone else and bring them maybe a little bit of hope this season. Um, someone I actually babysat as a as a younger teenager myself, she's all grown up now and has gone through film school, and she has a very good friend who um, is going through an extremely difficult time. Her name is Desiree. I'm going to link um, her fundraiser down in the description so that everybody can go click on it and take a look. I'm also going to share it on our social media, Twitter and Facebook. So if you, if you're on a podcast and can't easily get to the description box, just go check us out on Twitter or Facebook and it'll be there as well. 
Um, but if you want to go and throw a couple dollars towards Desiree this holiday season, if you're feeling generous, she is waiting on a kidney transplant. She, um, by all accounts, is a great individual who brings a lot of joy to other people. And I would love for everyone to be able to go there right now. She's trying to raise, um, keep in mind, Desiree is not the one who has made this fundraiser. Um, someone else has made it for her on her behalf. And basically, they, they need to get $20,000 together in order to help with this kidney transplant. Um, so if nothing else, we know that it's, it's extremely difficult to be on a transplant list, list. So if anyone would like to go and help her out, she's a great girl. It's a great cause. I just wanted to throw it out there. We're going to throw out a couple of things this holiday season, and this is just one of them. Um, we, we'd really like for everybody to pay attention to this young woman who deserves a second chance at life. All right. I hope that everybody has a great evening. We're going to be coming out with our uh, jury duty episode. We're also going to be coming out with another jury report for tomorrow night. And we have a bigger episode that we're doing, more of a documentary style, this Sunday at 1 p.m. We'll try to be on time for you guys with that. And hopefully next week we're on time all week. Let's make that a goal. All right, everyone have a great night. Stay safe. Keep your children safe on social media apps, please for my sanity.